From the healing heart of Dr. Nina Savelle Rockland comes the Dr. Nina Show with a message of hope for people struggling with binge eating. She helps listeners break free from emotional eating by identifying their hidden triggers and provides a path for healing without dieting or focusing on food. Dr. Nina inspires us to enjoy the full spectrum of human experience we all deserve to live. Hi there, welcome to the Dr. Nina Show, Outsmart Emotional Eating. I am your host, Dr. Nina Savelle Rocklin. I'm a psychoanalyst specializing in the psychology of eating, and I am here to help you break free from binging, body shame, and diets that don't work. I want you to wake up and think about your day, not your diet. And it really is possible to create a binge-free, happy life without counting a single calorie, carb, or fat gram, any macros at all. Okay, the key is to to focus on what is eating at you instead of on what you are eating. So today we're going to talk about self-care and how self-care can transform your life and also some of the misconceptions around self-care that might be keeping you from practicing self-care to the level that you really ought to for optimal health. Um, I'm going to open up the phone lines uh, later on if we have time. If you are, uh, but just if you if you want to call in later, the number is 323-203-0815, 323-203-0815. I'll open the phone lines later. If you are uh, watching on Instagram, please feel free to drop a comment in the comment box anytime. Okay, so self-care. Let me tell you about Hildy, not her real name. She told me that she was the queen of self-care. She said she was the queen of self-care. So she said, why am I still binging? I'm the queen of self-care. And why was she, you know, your worship? Why are you the queen of self-care? Well, she told me she got regular manicures and pedicures. She got massages. She got facials. She got her hair blown out on a regular basis. And yet she still struggled with feelings of depression and worthlessness. And she wondered why she felt so bad since she was taking such good care of herself. Well, what I told her was, hey, Hildy, that is not self-care. That is actually grooming. Hildy didn't realize that true self-care is way more than taking care of your body. Self-care means taking care of yourself in all areas of life. It means considering what you want and what you need, which can be different for everyone. Um, Some people find that meditation brings them inner peace. Other people, particularly, I should say, for people who struggle with binge eating, meditation can make things worse because if you're binging to get away from your own thoughts, meditating, unless it's guided meditation, meditating can bring up those thoughts, which makes it worse. So if you are struggling with food and you struggle with meditation, that is totally understandable and common. If meditation really helps you, then great. That is a great way of practicing self-care. Other people like physical activities. They like running, walking, hiking, working out. These are all forms of self-care. For other people, self-care means like quiet time, me time, reading a book, watching a great show, um, journaling. Those kinds of self-reflective activities are honoring another part of yourself. So again, self-care can look different for everyone, but it is always about refocusing and reconnecting with yourself. Self-care is a way of recognizing that you are worthy of care and attention. And the goal of self-care ultimately is to build resilience and to create balance in our lives. That helps us cope with the challenges of life, right? The more we do that, the more we the, the less we turn to other ways of coping. Other ways of coping include binge eating, emotional eating, and other negative coping strategies. Remember that binge eating is not the problem. It is the solution to the problem. The problem is different. The problem might be um, self-defeating thoughts, depression, an inner critic, anxiety, 
all kinds of things that are going on within you that you may or may not be aware of. That's what makes it tricky. That then food takes you away from. It is the solution to the problem. It is not the problem. So there are a lot of myths and misconceptions about self-care and they prevent us from practicing it, from prioritizing our own needs. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. All the myths about self-care in the hopes that uh, we will break these myths and you will embrace self-care. So the first and most common myth is that self-care is selfish. Self-care is selfish. I can't take care of myself if it means not taking care of somebody else. Ooh, that's selfish, say a lot of people. So one reason for this is that we have this cultural emphasis on productivity and achievement. We live in a society that values hard work, getting ahead, doing more, 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 more. It's turning us into human doings instead of human beings. That's what Deepak Chopra says. He says, don't be a human doing, be a human being. But unfortunately, we, especially in American society and Western society, is like, go, 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 do, 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 accomplish, produce, do more, 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 more. And so taking time for self-care can be viewed as an indulgent, especially if it means taking you away, taking time away from work or other kinds of responsibility. And that leads to guilt over wanting to prioritize your own needs over the needs of others, whether it's the workplace or family or whatever. Um, And speaking of family, that leads to another reason why self-care is perceived as selfish, which is the societal expectations about gender roles. Despite the fact that we are now well into the 21st century. Women are still expected to prioritize the needs of others over their own needs. They feel guilty or selfish for taking time to take care of themselves, as if they're taking something away from others to take care of themselves. And this kind of gendered expectation leads many, many, many women to feel as if they have to choose between taking care of themselves and taking care of other people, which can be a source of stress and anxiety. And of course, no one wants to feel selfish. So what do you do? You you know, you you give up what you want and you take care of other people. And this is frustrating. And often frustration about this state of affairs gets symbolically stuffed, right? Instead of recognizing, oh, this is a disparity I am not liking. I am not loving this. We end up uh, turning to food, which does give you your me time. And then we get mad at ourselves for what we're eating and what we weigh. When the true source of the anger is the the social constraint and the prohibition against self-care for women. So it's important to recognize that self-care is just part of the necessity of living, right? It isn't selfish. You aren't taking something away from somebody else to take care of yourself. You are taking care of yourself so that you actually can take care of other people better. All right, so let's distinguish between what is selfishness Because often if we feel selfish, then anytime we think about our own needs, our own thoughts, our own wishes, we feel selfish. No, that is not the definition of selfish. Uh, So let's let's look at selfishness versus selflessness, selflessness, being selfless, which is often prized in our society. Oh, look how selfless that person is. But it can be taken to a fault and affect us really badly. So selfish, selfless, and in the middle is self-care. So what is what is selfishness? It is not thinking about your own needs and wants. It's, it's really an attitude or behavior that prioritizes uh, someone's own needs and desires over the needs and desires of other people all the time, more often than not. So selfish people act in ways that benefit themselves all the time. They don't think about how their actions impact other people and often they don't care. Selfish people have an attitude of, 
well, what's the world doing for me lately? You know, what are you doing for me? And they don't consider how they affect other people. So selfish behavior means like taking more than your fair share, putting your own needs ahead of the needs of other people more often than not, refusing to compromise, refusing to collaborate. Uh, crazy. Okay, so I'm, I'm reading on Instagram. That's crazy. As I always say, the families of the people I care for, you need to look after yourself so you can care for your parents or family members. Yet I need to listen to my own words and your words. Yes. Do as you say to others. Exactly. You need to take care of yourself. It's so, so, so important. Look, selfish people hurt other people. Now, the opposite of selfishness is being too selfless, which is also detrimental. It's not good to be overly selfless. Let me give you an example of of Lily. Again, not her real name. So she told me that she went on this cruise with her girlfriends. And uh, she was very proud of the fact that they went to this on this cruise to Mexico for seven days, LA to Mexico, seven days, amazing, except here's the thing. Lily, the entire time she's on this cruise, all she is thinking about is the movie, The Poseidon Adventure, because she saw that as a kid, it completely terrified her. And to this day, she is terrified of water. But she goes on this cruise and she proudly tells me, hey, my friends had no idea that I'm actually terrified of water. She's proud of it. So she'd taken this cruise to Mexico and throughout the the trip, she managed to hide her fear of water and she struggled to get through every single day. She would just like think about the Poseidon adventure every five minutes and pray that a tidal wave didn't hit the boat. And and she was just uh, nerve wracked and and, and anxious. And of course she ate to, to calm her anxiety, like to sedate herself. So I asked her, why did you go on this, on this cruise uh, when you hate water like, and, and you have this water phobia and well, actually like, like big ship ocean liner phobia. Um, and she, she told me that she didn't want to spoil the experience for her friends. Her friends were so excited about taking this cruise. They thought it was going to be so much fun. And she thought it would be really selfish of her to deny them the pleasure of the cruise. So by being overly considerate of her friends, she neglected herself more than neglected, put herself in a position where she felt anxious for seven days. So being overly selfless refers to neglecting your own needs, neglecting your own well-being in order to prioritize the needs of other people. That's exactly what Lily did, right? So while selflessness is generally seen as a positive trait, in certain contexts, it is. It's positive. But when it's taken to an extreme and it is the way that you live your life, it leads to you neglecting yourself. So by pleasing everybody else, Lily put herself through a miserable vacation that she paid for. Oh, Lily. Okay, so here's the thing. Why are we so selfless? Well, sometimes that is linked to the trauma response of fawning. Fawning, which means basically like taking care of other people at your own expense often. It's a coping mechanism that involves placating or pleasing other people in order to avoid all conflict or uh, danger emotional danger. Fawning involves prioritizing the needs and wants of others over your own. And that can be a way of of just really uh, depleting yourself. It avoids negative consequences, but it also makes you feel terrible because you're never getting your own needs met. Now, here's the thing about trauma, because when I when I talk about trauma and trauma response, what I usually hear is, oh, but I didn't have a trauma growing up. Nothing bad ever happened to me. Nothing terrible ever happened to me. I didn't have some big, awful event that happened to me. Well, there are two types of trauma. 
One is called big T trauma. There's big T trauma, and the second is little t trauma. So big T trauma refers to big, major, life-altering events like severe physical or sexual abuse, uh, natural disaster, uh, being in combat, that's a trauma, um, terrible accidents, terrible injuries, terrible illnesses. These are traumatic events. And these events can cause PTSD, depression, anxiety, difficulty trusting the world, relationships, all of those things. Little t trauma refers to less intense experiences, but they are chronic. So little t trauma is chronic stress, chronic emotional neglect, chronic microaggressions, chronic bullying. And and these experiences lead to uh, also to anxiety, depression, low self-esteem, difficulty with relationships. It's like this. Um, I like to make this analogy. Big T trauma is like the big butcher knife that like stabs you in the back once and it's horrible and it's terrible and it's awful and it's a mess and it's painful. Little T trauma is like a thousand small cuts. A thousand small cuts are really painful. So if someone has given you a thousand cutting remarks, a thousand times made you feel bad about yourself. A thousand times told you that you were stupid. A thousand times neglected you. A thousand times d- didn't understand you. That is also a form of trauma. And so uh, when you have experienced, whether it's big T or little t, abuse, neglect, other forms of trauma, um, misattunement in the family, so many different ways that we can be traumatized. You develop fawning as a way to protect yourself and uh, protect yourself from being hurt by others. And that means being really good to other people, taking care of other people. You don't give them a chance to be upset with you because you're just so busy taking care of them. But it becomes an automatic response to avoid more trauma that leads to self-neglect self-neglect. And then you don't know how to assert yourself. You don't know how to do, you know, any boundaries. And then, you know, there you are taking care of everybody else and depleting yourself. Everything goes out. And sometimes in that situation, everything goes out and you only, the only thing that comes in is food. Oh, you were told a lot as a child, it was your fault. Lovely. I'm being very sardonic there. Exactly. Being told you're selfish all the time. Yeah. And then when when kids are told they're selfish, they believe it. They they believe it. Um, I recently, someone who was labeled selfish, I'm going to change this slightly, but she, she she was labeled selfish by her family. She was the selfish one. She went out, she met with her family out to dinner. And she ordered steak and her family said, oh my God, look at her. She is so selfish. She's ordering steak. Can you believe how selfish she is? Now, there is nothing inherently selfish about ordering steak. It was just what she wanted to eat that day for dinner. Um, But she was somehow labeled selfish because it was one of the more expensive things on the menu, I guess. I don't know. It's see when you when when you become like the selfish one, people just fit that narrative into anything you do. Oh, you order steak. You're selfish. You uh, you choose to be a, a, a doctor instead of an engineer. You're so selfish. Don't you know that the families are engineers and now you're now you're going against the family? You're so selfish doing what you want. So you could see that this label of selfishness gets just internalized. And then she really felt like maybe she'd been selfish for ordering steak. Like, no, it is not selfish to order steak. It is a menu choice, not an indication of self selfishness. Okay, so um, it's really important to find a balance between being selfless 
and taking care of your own needs in order to maintain just a sense of well-being. Think of it like this. We've all been on a plane. And when the flight attendants instruct the, the parents, they say, hey, when the if if the oxygen masks drop, put it on yourself. Do not put it on your child. Why? Because if you don't take care of yourself, you are no good to other people. An empty vessel cannot serve. All right. So let me just go into a, a little bit of why it's so hard to set boundaries, why it's so hard. Um, one of the reasons that people don't set boundaries is they feel guilty as if it is wrong to choose yourself. Somehow you should always just give give in to the other person. What you want doesn't matter. Somehow you're a second-class citizen. What they want matters. Um, feeling greedy as if it is greedy to want what you want. Oh, selfish and greedy to order steak, right? Um, but but it's not. Uh, not wanting to come off as difficult. That's another reason why it's hard to say no. No, to say no, that doesn't work for me. Yeah, they don't want to be difficult. Also, we're we're often told as children, some of us are told, oh, you're so difficult. You're so selfish. You're so difficult. You're so this, you're so that. And then we believe it. So we don't want other people to perceive us this way. So we give up ourselves and take care of them. Um, and again, not wanting to upset anyone. You don't, you don't want someone else to be upset because they're not getting what they want. So you'll be you'll you'll be upset because you you won't get what 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 you want. But somehow that's okay. Um, afraid to hurt someone else's feelings, you know, as if the other per, what what the other person wants, thinks, feels, needs is somehow a higher priority than what you want, think, need, and all of that. Um, fear of rejection. What if I, what if I say what I need or want or set a boundary and then they don't like me anymore? Well, if that's the case, then your relationship is very much based on you taking care of them. And that is not a relationship that is servitude. That is conditional. That is unhealthy. We don't want that. That's not good. Um, or fear of some kind of retaliation. Oh, you didn't take care of me? Well, wait till the next time. Hmm. And again, these are not healthy relationships, right? So, but these are these are reasons why it why you might be afraid to set a boundary that will be a, a, a form of self-care. Because sometimes by saying no to other people, we say yes to ourselves. So we might be afraid to say yes to ourselves because it means saying no to someone else. And that's going to make you feel bad. And if that's the case, challenge that. Is your relationship really so fragile that if you say, hey, I'd rather go to this movie and not that, or I'd rather go to, you know, go to that vacation or not that, or I'd rather not talk about this, or I'd rather do this, but not that. If that's going to make someone not like you, not want to be your friend anymore, not want to be with you, if that's going to make them retaliate against you or hold a grudge, then you are not in a healthy relationship. Maybe these people that 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 you're afraid are going to treat you this way, maybe they're not going to do that. Maybe you have to have some more trust in the people that you've uh, chosen to be in your life. And if they are, going to do that? If, if that is who they are, if you have relationships based on you give, they take, then that is a sign that you need to deal with those relationships. Often those relationships mirror earlier relationships and it's a do-over. And so healing the original relationship in which you gave and they took is going to help you be able to set boundaries now. Um, I didn't do that during my childhood, but with my first husband. Yeah, we we often, you know, uh, repeat patterns. Once we see them, we can stop. We can recognize this is not this is not fair, right? It is not fair. Uh, Marty saying most of my friendships have been one way, like this, always seeking love and approval. So Marty. 
I'm so sorry that then, and then what happens is you give and you give and you give and it depletes you and you're empty. And what happens when we're empty, sometimes we symbolically fill that emptiness with food. You know, food takes care of us. We take care of everybody else. Give, 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 give. And food takes care of us. That's not really fair to you, is it? Um, quick story. I've told this before, but maybe there's some new listeners. This is the heaven and hell story. Okay. So someone goes, but dies and goes to the pearly gates and they're going to get a tour of, of heaven and hell. So first up is hell and they open the door and there's this lot, like an infinitely long table full of piled high with food. And there are people looking at that food, but they've got long utensils tied to their hands so they can see the food, but they can't eat it because if they try to eat it, the utensils are too long. They can't put it in their mouths. So that's hell. So, ooh, that looks horrible, right? So the guide says, okay, now you've seen hell. Now let's go see heaven. So opens up the door to heaven. There's a, a, an infinitely long table piled high with food, people with long utensils tied to their hands. And, and the person getting the tour says, oh, wait, I think this is a mistake. We, this, we were just here. This is hell. And the guide says, no, 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 just watch. And what do you know? The people are feeding each other. That's heaven. Hell is selfish. Heaven is mutuality. And got to think about, are you in hell with your friendships? Or are you in heaven? You deserve to be in a place of mutuality. Um, yeah, you... you I'm I'm really glad that you are setting those limits. Um, it it's not fair to blame yourself for how other people treat you. Not okay at all. So gotta set those limits. All right. So that was the the myth about self care being selfish. Another myth is that self care, and these are all kind of related. Um, another myth is that self care is indulgent. It's indulgent. It's unnecessary. It's optional. Um, but no, self-care is an essential part of maintaining your physical, emotional, mental health. Your, you know, all parts of yourself, your emotional self, your physical self, your uh, creative self, spiritual self, what all the parts of yourself, you really need to attend to it. And when you neglect that, it leads to negative consequences. Um, so again, consider if you are too helpful, maybe you don't want to be indulgent, so you're too helpful for other people. You're always available for your friends, your neighbors, your kids, your parents, family, whatever, whoever. You give and you give and you give and you give, and then you end up empty. That is a sign that something is amiss. Um, and instead of filling that emptiness with food, start thinking about what you need for you. Start giving that to yourself. If food is the only thing that takes care of you, if food is the only thing that goes in, literally and figuratively, it's time to create a change. Because when we take care of ourselves, we are actually better able to cope with life, cope with the stress of life, which, you know, stress happens, to manage what goes on, to manage our emotions, to really show up for ourselves. And when we are fulfilled, because we're taking care of ourselves, we're also able to better show up for other people, but not in a way that depletes you. So self-care isn't selfish and it is not indulgent. It is actually one of the most important things that you can do for yourself and therefore for others. Another myth is that self-care is expensive. <laughs> like Hildy with her mani pedis and her massages and her blowouts and all, you know, all of the things that actually weren't self-care. Um, a lot of people think self-care is expensive. It's going to involve a big financial investment like spa treatments, massages, yoga classes, vacations. And 
you know, self-care, if you think of it that way, can look like it's only for people with a lot of extra disposable income. Um, look, self-care does not have to break the bank. Taking care of your physical, emotional, and mental health involves something as simple as taking a walk or even practicing deep breathing exercises or reading a book or, you know, anything like that, just centering, grounding activities. These activities are free. You could do them anywhere, anytime. Also, spending time with people you love, uh, the right people, people who love you love and love you back. Remember that mutuality? Spending time with people you, you love and who love you, who you feel good in their presence, that is a, also a form of self-care. That doesn't require a financial investment. Spending time with people who make you feel happy, who make you feel safe, who make you feel supported, that all helps reduce stress and anxiety, contributes to an overall well-being. And when you feel good, guess what? You don't need to use food to feel good. You don't need to eat or binge to escape yourself or to feel better. You know, the the it also uh, costs nothing to to journal, to do a hobby that you enjoy that's, you know, a free kind of hobby. Uh, like tennis would not be an inexpensive hobby, but there are lots of other things that you can do. Um, self-care is not a luxury. It is a necessity for maintaining your health and well-being. So just take a few minutes out of every day to do something for you to recharge that's ultimately what self-care is, it's recharging. So when you recharge, you have a sense of well-being. The cost when we neglect ourselves is very, very high. It is not a financial price we pay. It is a price that is, uh, you know, it, what, what, what's the big enough word that I'm looking for? It's a, it's a cost that, is, that, that you cannot measure because you cannot put a price on how bad it is to feel bad. And yes, when we journaling, good great question. So journaling, I particularly like particularly like journaling um, because it helps you get out your thoughts and feelings out of yourself and onto the page uh, instead of instead of like, stuffing it down or distracting yourself. Binge eating is a way of distracting yourself from thoughts, feelings, ideas, and beliefs that are upsetting, scary, distressing in some way. The more that you can be reflective and journal and write out what's going on, the, the more helpful it is. Let me give you a three-step approach to stop binge eating. First, you identify what you are feeling that you may think that you're turning to food because you're triggered by food. I'm here to tell you, you are triggered by a situation or a thought or belief or emotion that you may or may not be aware of. So first identify what it is that's going on. If you need help with that, um, uh, I developed my food mood formula, which is in my book, The Binge Cure, Seven Steps to Outsmart Emotional Eating. If you don't have it, Grab your copy now on Amazon. I will give you my food mood formula and it will really help you. Or, or you can look back sometime in the almost six years that I've been doing this radio show. I talk about the food mood formula, um, uh, but it, it will help. It will really help you identify what's going on with you. That's the first step that you may or may not be aware of. The second step is to to express those feelings, express those needs. And that's where I I also give you prompts on page 45 through 47 to help you journal. And by the way, the Binge Cure Journal is in the works. It should be out this summer. I will keep you posted. And then the third step is to respond to yourself. So first you identify what you feel and you could, you could journal about all of this. Then you express it but without turning against yourself. So instead of, oh, I'm so mad at myself, I can't believe I ate all the Girl Scout cookies. It's okay, if I were not to be mad at myself, let me be curious, not critical, who or what would I be angry at? Let me express that. 
it's just a feeling. It's just a reaction to a situation. You don't have to talk to the person you're mad at. You just have to express it. And that's where journaling can be really helpful. And then you have to respond to yourself. Of course, I'm upset. How else could I feel? If someone else was in my position, I imagine they'd feel this way as well. This is painful and upsetting. You know, and I'm working through this. I'm not going to feel this way always. Right now, it sucks, but I'm going to get through it. I can do hard things and I'm learning a new way. Validate, acknowledge, and reassure yourself. Marty is saying she likes the idea of self care as recharging. It feels less selfish. Yeah. Yeah. You wouldn't say to your phone, oh, you need to be plugged in. What's your problem? you selfish thing you know, you'd say, of course, you're running on, on red. You need to be charged in. We're the same. When we're running on empty, if you don't recharge in one way, you're going to recharge in another way. You're going to go to food as a way to recharge or escape. And that's no good. Um, okay. Another myth is that self-care is time consuming. It's difficult to fit into the busy schedule where you're doing stuff for everybody else in your life. Remember, self-care doesn't have to be this major, major time-consuming undertaking. Even like small, simple, quick actions can, can help you out a little bit. Even if you take like one minute. Hey, if you all have ever been pregnant and had a baby, you know when you're having those contractions how long one minute can be, Right. Or if you have a toothache or any kind of pain, you know how long one minute can be. So give yourself one minute. Just one minute. You you have one minute for you. Give yourself one minute every hour. Just close your eyes or listen to music or do deep breathing or whatever it is that you can do for one minute every hour. You've got that. It will make a difference and it will add up. So, you know, obviously one minute is the least, but give yourself 10 minutes, 15 minutes a day. If you haven't been doing it at all, it's going to make a huge difference. So just think about what's going to bring you some peace, some joy into your life, no matter how brief a time that might be. And it, and it also, it doesn't have to be something that you do on your own. Right? Self-care isn't always a solo thing. You can go on a walk with a friend or, but, but a friend who listens to you, not a friend that you've got to take care of. So, so, so important. Um, you know, take a class with people, go, go for yoga with, with a group of friends or by yourself and be with people. That's self-care too. Um, and again, let's see. So let me just sum this up. So first, identify what your personal self-care needs are. Consider what areas you need more of that, whatever in your life. Like you might want to get more sleep. You might want to exercise more. You might want to learn relaxation techniques. You might want to spend more time with friends or loved ones. You might want to step away from work for a little bit and do something fun. Um, And once you decide what it is that you need more of in terms of self-care, Make a plan. Even if you say, I'm going to give myself one minute an hour or 15 minutes a day, just prioritize that. It might feel selfish at first. It probably will. But remember, it's not selfish. It just feels that way. Feelings aren't facts. This is something you've learned. This is something that you've come to think of as reality, but it's not. It's an idea that's become your truth, but it is not written. I know of no commandment. You know, one of the commandments that Moses brought down did not say in that stone, it is selfish to take care of yourself. No, it is not selfish. Hi, Kim. Oh, I, I, you're, I'm here for another lip. She says she's late. I'm here for another li- 11 minutes. So yay, I'm glad you're here. So Schedule it. And remember, the cost to not doing it is feeling depleted, feeling angry, feeling empty. And then there's food. There's, you know, you're if you're using food in a way as self-care, an, a negative self-care strategy, that's no good. 
It only hurts you. It's a friend of me. It helps you. Yeah, it gives you a moment to yourself. It gives it, it you you have something good in your life because you're always taking care of everybody else and there's no time for you, but it's temporary and ultimately it doesn't do you any good. It doesn't benefit you, whereas all these other strategies do. And then really look at how you can how you can implement these on a regular basis. So if you're thinking, oh, Dr. Nina, sounds good, sounds great, I'm down, but I have no idea where to start. Then, good news, I have some examples of self-care. Here we go. Okay, one of these minimum is going to resonate with you. I know it, I know it. Okay, so here here are some examples of emotional self-care. I'm gonna talk about emotional self-care, mental self-care, physical, spiritual, social self-care, if I have enough time. All right, so, and I think I do. All right, so emotional self-care, writing in a journal, practicing other forms of uh, self-reflection. Taking time to self-reflection means taking time to reflect on what's going on with you. What are you thinking? What are you feeling? What do you want? What do you need? And that can really help you identify um, patterns in your life that you might want to look at and change. Emotional self-care can include seeking support from a a therapist, um, a coach, support group, practicing self-compassion and encouraging, you know, encouraging yourself. That's important too. Mental self-care. Taking breaks from work or other responsibilities to give your mind a rest. Oh, that's such an important one. Let me repeat it. Taking time from work or other responsibilities to give your mind a rest. So important. Engaging in things that you find mentally stimulating, like puzzles or drawing or reading or learning something new. Engaging your mind. Uh, seeking out new experiences, new opportunities to grow, to learn um, classes or, or, or whatever, or just, you know, there, there's so many ways that, that, that you can do that. Having fun. Having fun is an important part of self-care, whether that means watching a great TV show or learning a new something or other. Um, having, having, having fun, maybe not the learning part that may not be, if that's fun for you, then do it, but having fun, play, fun, enjoyment, laughter. This is so healing and so important. Okay. Physical self-care, make sure you get enough sleep, make sure you get enough rest, get exercise. It's so important to move your body. That is taking care of your body. If you think of exercise as Oh, I've got to exercise. I have to do it. Like it's an obligation. Then mm, doesn't sound so good, does it? But if you think of it as, oh, I get to do it. I, I, I have to move my body. I get to do it. I love how I feel afterwards. Let me think about what I like to do and then do it. It's going to be a lot easier to do it. Only do things you like, by the way. Don't do things you should do or you think you should do. Do things you like. Um, and also taking breaks throughout the day, walk, take a little walk, move your body in some way, dance around the house. If you're working from home, um, that may be happening at times at our house. I'm just saying, okay. Spiritual self-care. If that's your thing, connecting with spirituality, cultivating a sense of purpose, which can mean different things. Um, practicing meditation, um, going to services, just finding some meaning in life in some way. Oh, Kim is working on sleep and movement. Hey, but you're working on it, so that's good. Look, you're 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 doing it. You're just maybe not doing it to the level that you want to do it, but you will. Um, social self care. Social self care is building a supportive network of family and friends or friends if you don't have family Um, and connecting with the community by participating in groups and clubs and organizations. And that could be something at church or your synagogue or your mosque or wherever. It could also be uh, joining a walking group, going on meetup, um, finding other people that are interested in the same things that you are. 
it's really important to be social. As we all learned during COVID, we really do need each other. We really do need to be connected. Can't go through life without a hug. Um, And also taking breaks from social media (laughs) to be with actual people. That's, That's important. So as you can see, the overall goal of self-care is to create a sense of balance and, and, and overall health, which helps you cope with whatever it is that life is throwing your way. And when you practice regular self-care, it helps you feel better in your day-to-day life. It makes you more resilient when things aren't going well, because unfortunately, uh, those things happen. They're temporary. And the better that you feel about yourself and the better that you feel in your body, the easier it is to cope with the messiness of life. Because when we're confident in our ability to take care of ourselves and when we feel worthy of that care, very important, we don't use food or other negative coping strategies as a way of coping. If you don't feel worthy of that care, why not? Why don't you feel as good as everybody else? Why do you not feel as worthy of being cared for by yourself and others and having mutuality in your life? That is something to really look at because I will guarantee you this. You learned that way of thinking about yourself. You learned it. Nobody is born thinking I am unworthy. I am here to take care of other people. We learn to do that. It is a way of getting through life, dealing with the relationships we have, the families that we have, the situations that we have. We learn to give up ourselves and take care of other people. And guess what? You can unlearn that and learn a new way. Because when you take care of yourself, you don't need food to take care of you. And when you have fulfilling and satisfying relationships with other people who can show up for us, nurture us, connect with us, and love us, we don't need food as a substitute for fun, for comfort, or for love. So if you've been feeling guilty about taking care of yourself, take some time to challenge these myths that I've talked about around self-care and consider how you can incorporate some kind of self-care into your life. It is essential for your well-being. It is not selfish. It is not indulgent. It is not expensive. It is not even time-consuming. So take one step today to incorporate self-care into your life. Remember, you deserve it. Um, Okay, we have like two minutes left. I'm not sure we have time for a call, but if you are on uh, Instagram and you want to share something, uh, as I am seeing, I'm changing this with my daughter to allow herself to have confidence and to look after her mental health. Yes. Well, if you could do that with your daughter, do it for yourself. Do it for yourself. Because often we give our, our we give other people like like the like the kind of treatment, the kind of love, the kind of understanding that we do not give ourselves. And we have to treat ourselves as as lovingly as we treat other people. The more that you sacrifice yourself to take care of other people, the more depleted and unhappy you will be. And there's binge eating to cope. Because when you're binging, you're not thinking, you're not feeling. Uh, then you can get mad at yourself for for eating or what you weigh. And then all the, the feelings that you have in your life uh, get turned back on you. And that is not fair. That is not fair. You deserve to recharge. You deserve to be your happiest, most healthy self. And I really encourage you to practice some kind of self-care starting today and every day. And you are very welcome. Um, Thank you so much for joining me today on the Dr. Nina Show, Outsmart Emotional Eating. I'm Dr. Nina Svel Rocklin, psychoanalyst. I am here to help you create a binge-free, happy life. Also live streaming on Instagram, or you can listen later wherever you get podcasts. 
whether that is uh, Apple Podcasts or Dream Vision 7 Podcasts. And for a deeper dive into this topic and, and everything else that I talk about, please uh, check out my book, The Binge Cure, Seven Steps to Outsmart Emotional Eating. It is available on, in, on Amazon in every format, including audiobook. And I read it to you. So it's like having me with you at all times. All right, everyone. Practice that self-care. Stay curious, not critical. I'll see you next week. Calling all authors. Have you been considering an audiobook? Well, look no further. Come take advantage of Dream Vision 7 Radio Network's unique in-house audiobook production, which includes benefits and bonuses from our radio station. Let our knowledgeable staff guide you to create the audiobook you've always dreamed of without breaking the bank. Check out our full one-stop service from A to Z, including the ACX process. Schedule a free consultation by calling 508-226-1723. That's 508-226-1723. Or go to dreamvision7radio.com. Thank you for joining the Dr. Nina Show. Heard every Tuesday at 11 a.m. and 11 p.m. Eastern on Dream Vision 7 Radio Network. Join Dr. Nina next time for more diet-free strategies on how to outsmart emotional eating so you can stop thinking about food and start living your best and most happy life. Find out more about Dr. Nina Savelle Rockland at drninainc.com. That's D-R-N-I-N-A-I-N-C.com. The Dr. Nina Show is now on the Dream Vision 7 Radio Network every Tuesday, 11 a.m. and 11 p.m. Eastern Time. From the healing heart of Dr. Nina Sabelle Rockland comes a message of hope for people struggling with binge eating. She helps listeners break free from emotional eating by identifying the hidden triggers to binging and provides a path for healing without dieting or focusing on food. As she puts it, it's not what you're eating that's the real problem. It's what's eating at you. Be sure to tune in for diet-free strategies on how to outsmart emotional eating so you can stop thinking about food and start living your best and most happy life. This is Dream Vision 7 Radio Network, uniting mankind with universal love. Our shows are created from the heart, bringing each listener to a place of divine enlightenment. Breathe, relax, and enjoy. Let life Flow.